Well, in case you guys didn't notice, I'm not old enough to be your grandpa. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here talking about memories. But I do have some memories of being a Sovereign Grace camper, just like you guys. You know, it wasn't here. Uh, Anybody remember the camp sunrise days? There are a few people here that do. Remember things like uh, that killer hill down to the dining hall? Some of those accidents there? What about the year with the electrifying showers? There was actually a year in the ladies' showers where there was an electrical short and the ladies were getting shocked when they went in to take a shower. So, be thankful, guys. (laughs) Beth Eden campers. But you know what? I have some memories like that about the camp. But you know what? I think one of the memories that sticks with me most is coming home from camp, being electrified, being charged, stoked to serve the Lord Jesus Christ better. The preaching and the teaching that was there, centered around Christ, was fantastic. And I'm in prayer for you guys, you Christians that are here, that this camp will be a time of refreshing, reinvigoration, that you guys will be charged when you leave here to serve the Lord Jesus Christ well. You know what I realize? There may be some of you here who are not believers. Some, maybe you think that you are, but you're not. Some of you, maybe you know that you're not. Well, I'm praying that the Lord, by His grace, would take the spiritual defibrillator and He would charge your hearts. That He would snap you out of your spiritual deadness so that you're no longer flatlining, but that you have a heart that beats for His glory. So the main theme for the week is going to be walk worthy. Look over at Ephesians chapter 4 for a moment. Ephesians chapter 4, look there at verse 1. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you I beg you that you walk worthy of the vocation of the calling wherewith you are called. The Apostle Paul has outlined up to this point in the first three chapters who they are in Christ Jesus. And then he's saying, I beg you, walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. So that's our theme this week, walk worthy. But first of all, we need to know who we are in Christ Jesus. So the first message tonight is going to talk about our identity in Christ. We're going to look at the beginning of Ephesians and see who we are in Christ Jesus. If we are in Him and who you are not, if you're not a believer in Christ Jesus. Then, we're going to start digging real deep. We're going to do spiritual boot camp here this week. And we're going to dig deep and in our second lesson we're going to talk about what's going on in our hearts. We're going to talk about finding out the desires of our hearts, the motivation of our hearts, and exposing the idols that dwell in our hearts. Then we're going to talk about a biblical pattern for change in our third lesson. Then we're going to talk about gaining victory over guilt, and learning contentment in the fifth lesson, and diffusing anger in the sixth and in the seventh, overcoming fear. I hope you can see that these are incredibly practical subjects. Any of you ever had an identity crisis? Maybe you have and don't even realize it. 
What about wrong desires? Have you ever had wrong desires? Have you ever had a need to change? What about guilt? Have you ever felt guilt? Or been discontent? Or angry? Or fearful? You know, the Word of God is sufficient to answer questions about how to deal with these issues. And so we're going to be digging into the Word of God to examine these things this week. And I also want to let you know that I'm available to you this week. You know, as we go through these subjects, if you have any questions about anything that I've taught on, or if you have anything that's going on in your own life that you'd like to come talk to me about, I'm here for you. And there are other pastors that are here for you and godly counselors we're here for you guys this week come to us take advantage of the time we want to help you as best we can my wife Mandy and I have actually undergone uh, two years and hours and hours of biblical counseling training so if any of you have any issues that you'd like to come and talk to someone about I'd be very happy and honored to be able to lead you to the word of God Tonight now, though, let's talk about our identity in Christ. Who are we if we are in Christ Jesus? Look over at Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to jump into verse 15 here for a moment, then give a little more introduction, and then we're going to talk about who are we in Christ But notice this in verse 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love unto all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. We see some things there about who Christ is and what he has done, don't we? We see there that Christ has terrifically triumphed over death and over sin. We see there that Christ has burst from the grave victorious and that he is the head of the church. But it still leaves us with a question, who are we? Who are we? Have you ever been through a hard time where you just feel pretty broken? Where you've got a lot of stuff on your plate, a lot of stuff going on? You know, they say that there are certain things in life that are stressors, like, you know, some of these might apply more to adults, but, you know, changing your career, having a baby, losing a loved one, moving to a new location. Well, in the Lord's providence, all those things happen all at once to me. <laughs> Mandy and I were expecting our second child, Jonathan. My dad was dying of a degen- degenerative heart disease. And the church 
called me to come and pastor. I did that from a distance for a couple of months. And then we moved. And then shortly after that, my mom's health broke down. She had to move in with me and my family. And then another very dear loved one had a breakdown and ended up in the hospital for weeks. And in all that, I remember waking up in the mornings and I'd been given a Kindle by family members and I put a bunch of Bibles on this Kindle. And I'd wake up in the morning just when the sun was beginning to shine through the shutters and I'd pick up the Kindle and flip it onto the book of Ephesians. And I'd read through that entire book. I remember lying there in bed early in the morning, staring up at the ceiling and reading these things about who we are in Christ Jesus. And just crying out to God and saying, God, is it possible that you could love me? Is it possible, God, that you could love me? Not so much because of the trials, but just dealing with that in my own heart. God, do you really love me? And as I read through this from Ephesians that we're about to look at today, God speaking through His Word thundered down upon me, Yes! I love you. I love you more than you can even imagine because you are mine and you are in Christ Jesus. So who are we in Christ? Look back to the beginning of chapter 1. Let's start with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Notice this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us. He has blessed us. If you're in Christ Jesus, you are blessed right now. You're not waiting to be blessed. It's not that you're going to be blessed when you die and you finally go to heaven. You are blessed right now with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And we're going to see many of these spiritual blessings as we go along. In the heavenly places, God's abode, from which He pours blessings out upon His children. Every good gift comes down from above. And it's an incorruptible place. Well, who are we in Christ? Notice this. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. We see this little phrase, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Colossians and Ephesians, you see it over and over and over and over again. If you are truly a believer, resting in Christ for your salvation, if you've been redeemed by Him, that means you've been united with Him. That means you have a spiritual relationship with Him in which He, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has regenerated your heart and He empowers you to do that which is right and to be pleasing unto Him in your works, but in your position, you are in favor with Him and secure because of the work of Christ. You know, when someone is married, the preacher may say, you know, you're now united in holy matrimony. There's a union that has taken place. That's a pretty strong bond, a marriage, right? 
supposed to be one that lasts until someone dies. It's a bond that's recognized by God. If we're believers, we've been united with Christ Jesus in a bond that is stronger than marriage. You realize, God said there, Jesus said there are no marriages in heaven. But your bond with Christ Jesus and being united with Him will last for all eternity. Bond even greater than marriage. So we're in Christ, but look at this. It says, according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. If you are a Christian, united in Christ, you are chosen by God. Before the foundation of the world, even, He set His favor upon you and decreed that His Son would come and die for your sins. So you are the elect if you're in Christ. Notice also in verse 4, it says that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. So if we're in Christ, we're the elect, we're holy, and we're blameless. What does it mean that we're holy? Well, it means that in God's eyes, we are pure. In God's eyes, we are set apart. And why is that? Is it because of something we've done? Is it because we're better than the next guy? Is it because we were smart enough to choose God when everybody else was stupid? That's because God set His favor on us and He covers us in the righteousness of Christ. That means that the, the good works that Christ accomplished, when we are united with Him, God counts those works of Christ as ours in the sense of we will not be condemned in that final day. But God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So God looks at us ultimately as holy, as pure. Even though we're not pure in the fact, in the sense that we've never sinned. Any of you here never sinned, ever? No, we've all sinned, haven't we? We've all fall, sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God looks us at us as pure, as holy, and as blameless in His sight. So notice that again in verse 4. He's chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy, that we should be without blame before Him. I mean, think about that for a minute. If you were in Christ, God is looking at you and saying, I am not going to blame you for your wicked deeds. I mean, take a minute and look inside your heart. You know the things that you've done. I know things that I've done, and I blush with shame to think about it. I'm a vile and wicked sinner. I have done wicked things. But by God's grace, if we're in Christ, He looks at us and says, You are blameless. I'm not going to hold it against you. The righteous judge of the universe who knows your hearts, every single one of you, and He knows the things that you've done that maybe nobody else in this world knows about. But if you are in Him, then He's not going to hold those against you. Because... He loves you and He loves His Son and He will honor the work of His Son, Jesus. So if you're in Christ, you're elect, you're holy, you're blameless. You know, you're also adopted. Look down there at verse 5. 
having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Adopted. That means he chose you. And he chose you to be an inheritor, an heir in his family. Anybody here would like to inherit a million dollars? You'd like to have a rich rich relative and uh, you know you're going to get a million bucks when they pass away? Think about this. If you're in Christ Jesus, if you truly believe in Him, if you're trusting in Him for your salvation, if you're resting in Him, if you're loving Him, if you are treasuring Him, and that's who you are in Christ Jesus, you are an heir with Christ Jesus, the Scriptures say. You're an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. What do you think Jesus is going to inherit? How about glory? How about a new heavens and a new earth? We inherit purity, the favor of God, glory with Christ Jesus. New heavens and a new earth. It's beyond even what we can imagine. We are heirs because we have been adopted into his family. And he chose us because he wanted us. I mean, isn't that fantastic? You know, someone, if someone is adopted into a family, they were handpicked. They were chosen. Brought into a family. That's you if you're in Christ Jesus. We're the elect, holy, blameless, adopted, accepted ones. We are accepted. Verse 6, To the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. The Beloved there being His own Son. He has accepted us in Christ Jesus. We're not rejected. Have you ever been rejected? Rejected by somebody that you really wanted to be accepted by? That hurts, doesn't it? It can feel like a knife stabbed right in your heart. If you're in Christ Jesus, you will never be rejected. You are accepted in Him. You're the elect, holy, blameless, adopted, accepted, redeemed. Look at verse 7. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Christ paid the price so that you could be saved. And you have been redeemed out of bondage to sin and to Satan. You're also forgiven. I mean, I hope you see how many things are in here. We've just gone through a few verses, haven't we? And just over and over and over again, speaking about who we are in Christ Jesus. We are the forgiven ones. We are forgiven. We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. God will never hold our sins against us. I mean, think again about the things that you've done. God's never going to hold that against you if you are in Christ Jesus. If you're not in Christ Jesus, He's going to hold every one of those things against you. And you will be cast into the fires of hell for all eternity. So call upon the Lord that you might be saved. But if you are in Him, He will never, ever hold your sins against you. They've been removed as far as the east is from the west. And how far is that? Any of you heard the song by Casting Crowns? How far is the east from the west from one nails guard hand to the other. That's how far the east is from the west. Jesus, hanging on the cross, has removed the sins of those who are in him. We 
that are also sealed by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 13 here. In whom you also trusted after you you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed. You know, people in the olden days, some people still do it today, don't they? They have signet rings, right? They have like a family emblem or a crest, you know, whatever it's called on there. And they used to use sealing wax to seal letters. So they put this little lump of hot wax, you know, on the letter after they've written it, and then they go and they smash that emblem down into it. You know, can you imagine if a, a king put his seal on a letter? Do you think that's going to end up being junk mail? Think that one's going to go to the spam folder? No, that one's going to be pretty carefully guarded and pretty carefully watched, isn't it? It says we're sealed by the Holy Spirit if we're in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, you will not go in God's junk mail pile. You're not going to go into his spam folder. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And God will no more trash you than he would trash the Holy Spirit himself. If we're in Christ Jesus. So I mean, all of these things, isn't this glorious of who we are in Christ? And then, that verse, that passage I read there beginning in verse 15, then Paul prays that God will enlighten these saints at Ephesus so that they would know what they have in Christ Jesus. And so that's a prayer. Do we know what we have in Christ? We are these if we have Christ Jesus. Look over at chapter 2 for a minute. Here's who we were. If you're in Christ Jesus right now, here's who you were. Look at chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead. Not even dead, stinking like corpse dead, stinking, but dry, completely Dead bones, all of the flesh, rotted off of them. Dead and dusty. Dead in trespasses and sins. That was our standing. Spiritually dead. Spiritually in the sense of we couldn't do anything that was pleasing to God. Nothing. No matter how hard we tried. What does it say in the scriptures? What do you have to have to be pleasing unto God? You've got to have faith, don't you? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Does a non-believer have true faith? No, they don't. What does that mean? That means there's not a single thing that they have ever done that is pleasing unto God. Nothing. They're dead. They have no relationship in a loving sense with God whatsoever. They're not united with Christ Jesus. That's who we were, though, if we're in Christ. We did walk in times past according to the course of the world. The prince of the power of the air. You know who that is? That's Satan. Satan was our father. If you're not in Christ Jesus right now, Satan is your father. He has you on a chain. And he's jerking your chain all day long. And you're bowing before him. You may not even realize it. But that's the reality of the truth of the word of God. 
among whom also we had our conversation, means conduct. This is the way we lived in times past. We lived in the lust of our flesh. We tried to satisfy the desires of ourself. And we may have thought that we were doing good. Maybe we thought that we were living to please other people, but we didn't have faith, so it's not acceptable to God. The desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. If you're a non-believer, this is a picture of where you're at right now. But here's where you can be if you believe in Christ and trust in Him for your salvation. And here's where we are if we're in Christ Jesus. Don't you, believers, don't you love this transition here? Don't you love this after everything that we were, dead in trespasses and sins, walking according to the power of Satan, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, out of favor with God, and then what does it say? But God, who is a little bit merciful, is that what he says? Who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. So there I was, you know, lying in bed in the morning, just, God, is this true? God, you know what I've done? God, I know you do. You know everything. You have gazed right into my heart. All things are naked and open in the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. You know what's in my heart. But yet, this great love with which you have loved me, believer, that's us. God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherewith he has loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And he has raised us together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So who are we? If we're in Christ Jesus, and this is just a a little bit of it, just scratching the surface, and then we're going to do some practical application of this. But by God's exceedingly rich, abounding, sovereign, free grace, if we are in Christ Jesus, we are the elect, the holy, blameless, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, heirs, Sealed by the Holy Spirit, the alive, risen, loved, massively loved children of God. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. But here's the question for us this evening then. If you're in Christ, that's your identity. That's who you are. And nobody and nothing can change that. Remember Romans chapter 8? Apostle Paul gives a pretty all-inclusive list there, doesn't he? What can separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, naked, famine, peril, or sword? No, none of those things. I'm persuaded in either height or death, you know, things present, past, to come. None of those things can separate us from the love of God. And he ends up with that, nor any other creature, he says. You know, in case there's anything else that I've missed in here, no other creature, nothing can separate us from the love of God. But here's the question for us. Who do we want to be known as? That's who we are if we're in Christ, but 
you know, we can fall into wanting to be known as someone or something else. We can find our identity in the wrong things. They may not even be evil things. But here's the question to ask yourself. Who do you want to be known as? Who do you want other people to know you as? So we have to think about our identity. Here are the identity P's. Do you want to be known for your position? What about your popularity? Do you want people to know you and think about you based on your possessions, what you own? What about your perfection, your physical beauty and your appearance? Is that how you want people to identify you and to know you? What about your performance? What about your, your people? There are a lot of things we can find our identity in outside of Christ, aren't there? Let's think about these for a moment. And you don't have to memorize this entire list, but maybe, and I'm hoping you're going to be really thinking with me here, and you're going to be looking into your own heart, and you're going to be asking yourself the question, hey, who do I want to be known as? Do I want to be known as an elect, holy, blameless, accepted, adopted child of God, one who's walking worthy of the calling that I've been called with? Or do I want to be known by my position? What, what might that be for you? Think about that for yourself. What position do you hold that you would like other people to recognize you as holding and that's what you wrap your life up in? You know, people do this, don't they? Maybe, uh, maybe somebody's the class president and that's where they find their identity. They are the class president. Or maybe they're the team captain. And they want everyone to know that that's who they are. Oh, maybe they're a homeschooler. And that's where their identity is. They want people to recognize, hey, I stand out from the crowd. I'm a homeschooler. Well, what about somebody that's a musician, the first violinist? You know, maybe they find their identity in their position. Or a vocalist. Oh, of course, a lot of people want to find their identity in the fact that they're the boss. They're the CEO. Oh, what about this one? A pastor. Finding your identity in being the pastor. You think I haven't had to struggle with that? I've been a pastor for two years. Our pastors back here can... Teach me some things about this. But there's a temptation to want to identify yourself and have other people identify you as the pastor. But we have to find our identity in Christ and want people to identify us as a believer in Christ Jesus. But what about a son or a daughter or a wife or a husband or a father or a mother? Many people find their identity in their position, but you know what? If they do, they are on shaky ground. Because God can reach down and He can smack us right out of that spot. And you know what? There are, there are literally millions of people around this world who find their identity and their positions. Then they lose their positions and they are devastated. They are broken. Because their whole identity is wrapped up in their position. 
people who find their identity in being the boss and then they get demoted or they get fired and their world just falls apart. So we have to find our identity in Christ because here's the glorious thing. These things that we listed that we are in Christ, if you are in Christ, those are secure and no one and nothing can ever take that from you. If you find your identity in Christ, then your world is not going to be rocked to its core and foundation when you lose a position. Because you know you have a position that no one can take from you. Oh, well, what about popularity? Can someone find their identity and their popularity? Who they are is wrapped up in pleasing other people, being in with the in crowd, the popular people. You know, that's just being a yo-yo. It's putting yourself on a string and subjecting yourself to just bouncing up and down. Now, here's the fact. You, you can't even please someone all of the time. You can't do it. Do I have any testimonies from married people in here? <laughs> you can't even please one person in this world all of the time. It's not going to happen. It will not happen. If your identity is wrapped up in looking to be popular you are cruising to have your world crushed. Absolutely crushed. But if your identity is in Christ, there is someone who you are always popular with. The God of the universe. You are His. And He will never reject you. You are accepted in Him. He will never reject you. So don't waste time trying to please foolish people who don't have a clue what it means to truly be popular. But live your life to please the God of the universe. He knows your heart. He never fails. Well, what about finding identity in our possessions? (laughs) Is that you? Are you really proud of the things that you own? Do you want people to know what you have? Are you always wanting people to know what you have? You know, maybe it's a car or a truck. Maybe it's an iPhone, computer, designer clothes, whatever it is. People's lives can be wrapped up in their possessions. Well, how might you know if your lives are wrapped up in your possessions? What if somebody were to take a slammer, a sledgehammer, and they were to smash whatever it is? that you love. How are you going to respond to that? Maybe the way you respond will indicate where your identity is. Do you want vengeance? Are you out for blood? Well, you better look in your heart see where your identity is. Do you find it in Christ? If you're in Christ Jesus, you have a possession which can never be taken away from you. You have, you are an heir with Christ Jesus. You will inherit with them. You have Christ. So, yes, identify with your possession, with Christ Jesus and who He is, because no one can ever take Him from you. What about your perfection? 
Is your life wrapped up in wanting people to look at you and to see you as the beautiful one or the handsome one? Is that where you find your identity? Is that where your thoughts are consumed? Are you thinking all the time about what to dress, what to wear, how to do your hair? Calculating your every move to make sure that people are looking at you and if they look at you, they're going to see something good? Where do you find your identity? What about your health? You know, there are a lot of people out there that find their identity and their health and then God takes their health away from them and they're devastated. When we want to be known for being in Christ and want Christ to be made known through us, then even though it's not wrong to want to make ourselves presentable and to dress well, whatever it may be, those things aren't wrong in and of themselves. But if we want to be known for who we are in Christ Jesus, we will not be consumed by clothes and by hair and by makeup and by tanning and by flexing and by using supplements by making ourselves look good so everybody will look at us and see how good we look if we're in Christ Jesus and our identity is found in Him then we're not going to be consumed with those things yet we may be very careful even with something like a diet Jonathan Edwards old dead guy <laughs> I know somebody in here that, that talked about his, his old dead friends I think, I think I heard that talking about those great theologians of the past you know just because just because uh, something's really old doesn't mean it's bad just because something is new doesn't mean it's bad we have to look at what's the content right but Jonathan Edwards I mean, here was a guy, he was meticulous about what he ate. He would eat something and he would watch the way his body would respond to it. And then, if it made him a little sluggish or something, he'd quit eating it. Well, was he finding his identity in his health? Was he wrapped up and consumed with his health? No, you know, why, why did he do that? He wanted to have his mind as clear as possible for the glory of God. so that he could please the God who had created him. So he didn't trash his body, but he didn't find his identity in his physical perfection either. And you know, if we're in Christ Jesus, he looks at us and we are perfect in his sight, in, in our position, because we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We are beautiful in His sight. Yes, He knows that we sin, and we can, we're going to talk about this. There are times as our dad that He gets upset with us. And He comes and He gets us, and He straightens us out. But we're beautiful to Him. If you're in Christ Jesus, you are beautiful to God. In God's gaze, it doesn't go to the outside, it goes right into the heart. 
It goes right into the heart. What about performance? Maybe, maybe none of those other things. Maybe you're thinking, okay, none of those other things apply to me. Nope, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. What about your performance? What about your performance? Is your life wrapped up in being able to perform in a sport? What if God were to take you out of it just like that? You know, some type of debilitating injury. They say you're never coming back from that. You'll never be able to do that sport again. Are you going to be devastated? If your identity is in Christ, you're not going to be devastated. What about musicianship? That's something that we could idolize, isn't it? You know, our performance, our ability to perform. What about our scholarship? Our minds, our ability to study, our ability to get good grades. Do you pride yourself in what you can do? Is that what makes you tick? God can reach down and He can take that away in an instant. Some of the greatest athletes, the most powerful men in this world, all it takes is one little invisible bug and they're flat on their face. That's all it takes to bring them to their knees. Where's our identity? Where's our identity? We consider God's performance. Consider what God has done. You want power and athleticism? He just spoke the word and the world leapt into existence. You want power? Christ holds all things together. Every molecule in this universe He holds on to it and keeps it from crumbling into dust. That's power. And God, if you are in Christ Jesus, has focused His power upon you. And He has united you with Christ. And you are in Him. Identifying Him. One more. What about your people? What about your people? Are you a people person? Well, that's good. You know how many times it says in Scripture, one another, one another, one another, one another, one another, one another, one another? I printed them out once and it filled up two pages of 12-point times New Roman type. One another, one another, one another. Do all these things for one another. We're to live in community, in the body of Christ. But do you find your identity in your people? Do you find your identity in your peers? Your peaks? Whoever it may be. Is that, is that who you are? Or do you find your identity in Christ? And if all of your peers turn against you, Can you rest in Christ? Because He will never leave you or forsake you. He's the one person in this world 
you realize he is a person. He's the God-man. He was rejected, wasn't he? But he didn't go around trying to seek his identity in people. He found his identity in his Father. Doing the will of his Father. And he was rejected on our behalf. The Father turned his back on his Son on the cross. The Father poured His wrath upon His Son so that if you're in Christ, that will never happen to you. So if we identify in Christ Jesus, then we are secure. We are secure. So if you're in Christ, you are God's cherished person. You are cherished in God's eyes. You are a prized possession of God. Can you believe that? (laughs) Is that not amazing? That you are a prized possession of God. That you are the elect. He elected, chose you, adopted you. So we should live to please Him. We should find our delight in Him. We should seek to walk worthy of the calling with which we are called. God loves us superabundantly, beyond even what we can imagine. We're to find our identity in Him. Look over to Ephesians 4. Let's close with this. Beginning with verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the form or conduct, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needs. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. If we have our identity in Christ, then we're to live like it. We're to put off the old and put on the new. And we're to walk in Christ Jesus. And God is the one who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the 
power that works in us. And unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Can we say amen to that?